Hello, I'm Pastor Eric Longman. Welcome to Adult Bible Study at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Rogers, Arkansas. Each week we gather to talk through some passage of scripture or some interesting topic that has come up in the life of a church, and we invite you to come along for the ride and to listen in. Just a bit of a setup, Holy Trinity is a member congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, or LCMS. We believe in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and we place Jesus and his suffering, death, and resurrection for the sake of sinful people like you and me at the center of our teaching. You should know going in that I'm very much open to exploring rabbit holes in Bible study. I take on it as simple. Whatever passage of scripture we're looking at is just an entry point. It gets us into God's word and it opens the door for the discussion to go wherever the Holy Spirit takes us. So don't be surprised when we wander down some pathways that maybe are only tangentially related to the topic at hand. It makes for some interesting conversations, and we're blessed with a group that's happy to share their experiences along the way. So with that, let's jump in to this week's episode. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Adult Bible Study at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Longman. Um, Just a reminder for you that we are recording for the podcast, so don't say anything you don't want to have on the internet forever. Um, Before we jump in and get started, anybody got any questions for me about anything? Sometimes when I do that, I call the the name of this segment is Stump the Chump. I'm the chump. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's well done. well done what i already did yeah good oh. well my work here is done <laughs> yeah your comment about there not being any chairs in here no place to sit reminded me of a good yogi Berra quote did i share with you a second ago yeah, yeah. Well, the, the quote was um, about a restaurant that that was really, really popular. I think it was on the hill in St. Louis, probably. But um, Yogi Berra, somebody asked him about the restaurant. And he goes, "Oh, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded." <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, seeing no questions, um, I want to share something with you before we jump in, and this is kind of neat. Um, Paul Belvi shared this with me. It's his American Legion magazine. But there was a really cool story in it that I just I thought was neat, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, it says, this is from uh, the, the commander or whoever. I can't read his name. Um, on Veterans Day, we honor all who served. We should also be grateful to the parents who raised these great Americans. You ever wondered how much support from the home front means to our troops? I refer you to a short piece written by Claire, Bennett, uh, Claire Barrett, uh, posted at HistoryNet on August 2nd. Barrett tells the remarkable story of Elgin Staples of Akron, Ohio, who was a 19-year-old Navy signal man stationed aboard the USS Astoria in 1942. When his cruiser came under attack by the Japanese near Savo Island, Staples was severely wounded and thrown into the sea by concussive blasts. After treading water for nearly four hours with the help of his M1926 inflatable rubber life belt, Staples was rescued by the destroyer USS Bagley. He quickly returned to Astoria in a futile effort to keep the damaged ship from sinking. Hours later, he was again on the water, kept afloat with the same life belt after the ship went down, um, kept kept afloat with the same life belt until the USS President Jackson picked him up the next day. Oh, I know know what's going on here. Dave... uh, Dave O'Ryan is about to replace some lights, and he's looking for the right. <laughs> That's not it, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool, too. All right, so the USS President Jackson picked him up the next day. More than 200 men died in the attack on the Astoria, and the Battle of Savo Island resulted in 1,023 Allied deaths. In 2001, Staples described his homecoming shortly after the battle. His mother told him that she had been working at the local Firestone plant. Staples pulled out his life belt and showed her the stamp indicating that it was made at the plant where she worked. 
She said, son, I'm an inspector at Firestone. That's my number. We stared at each other, too stunned to speak, Staples later wrote. When I stood up, I walked around the table and I pulled her from her chair and we held each other in a tight embrace saying nothing. My mother was not a demonstrative woman, but the significance of this amazing coincidence overcame her usual reserve. We hugged each other for a long, long time, feeling the bond between us. My mother had put her arms halfway around the world to save us. So, pretty cool story. Has nothing to do with our Bible study, but it was worth sharing anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're in, we're working in Romans. We're still on lesson two. Uh, so it should have a two up in the top corner there. Looking at Romans 1, 18 to 32. Um, before we jump in, one last chance. Anybody got any questions about anything? I think the sign-in sheet has gone around what's here, but does anybody need that or has everybody got that? Here you go. Um, yeah. All right. Let's begin with a devotion then. From the book by Faith Alone series of devotions written by Martin Luther. Um, for February 25th, the passage is Galatians 5.14. All of Moses' teachings are summarized in a single statement. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the title is, As You Love Yourself. This statement is expressed in a beautiful and powerful way. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's no attitude more outstanding, respected, and virtuous than love. No one can show you a model that is better, more certain, and more real than yourself. There's no better object to whom you can direct your love than your neighbor. So the attitude, model, and object are all superior. If you want to know how to love your neighbor and you want to have a clear example of it, pay careful attention to how you love yourself. In times of need and danger, you certainly would want to be loved and helped with all of the advice, resources, and power of everyone everywhere. So you don't need a book to teach and admonish you how to love your neighbor. You have the best and most lovely book about all laws right in your heart. You don't need a teacher. Consult your own heart. It'll thoroughly teach you that your neighbor should be loved the way you love yourself. Further, love is the highest virtue. It's not only prepared to serve with words, hands, money, and possessions, but also with the body and even life itself. It's not motivated by reward or anything else. It's not slowed down by any unworthiness or ungratefulness of a neighbor. We should serve our neighbor out of love, just as a mother cherishes and cares for her child simply out of love. So, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we're not always perfect at that. We don't always love our neighbor as ourselves, as we say in the, in the confession of sins. But you love us perfectly, and so we give you thanks and praise for that. Um, that even as you have given us the example and written it on our hearts, um, when we mishear it, we get to look to you. We get to see what love looks like, and most importantly, we get to see your son on the cross, dying, rising again to save us for our own failures. Um, be with us today as we study your word. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to guide and lead us uh, so that we might walk away from the study today um, enriched and blessed um, and grown in our faith by the truths that you reveal to us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'll read this passage again so we got it fresh in our minds. We're in Romans chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 18. I'm going to use a different translation just so you've heard it a little bit different way. This is a Christian standard Bible. Um, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. 
They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, unworthy, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And although they know God's just sentence, that all those who practice such things deserve to die, not only do they do them, they even applaud others who practice them. Here ends the reading. Oof. Yeah, Oof. that's a word of law right there. Yeah, right? I mean, Paul's writing, you know, in, I don't know, he's writing this in like 60 AD, something like that. Yeah, so it's, that's just the way it has always been. Good point. What else? Other observations about it? I mean, we, we spent a lot of time walking through thoughts, but anything else you want to share or anything new that jumped out at you? Paul. Hey, Paul, and then I'll get there. Right, right. 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 <laughs> 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 yeah, we got all kinds of new theories about things. I'll, yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, well, the thing is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Now, so, and I think that's a really good point, right? So, yeah. how do you how do you love someone who's like run that far off the rails? Yeah, and and I I think part tough of love. that, well, tough love maybe, but I think um, where's that? I think it's Paul writing to Titus, maybe. Um, where it says, you know, we should always be prepared to give a defense. Is that in First Peter? Where is it? Always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you, right? So we live a life that actually gives witness to, to the amazing gifts that God has given to us and the peace that we have through that. So always be prepared to give a defense for that. When somebody goes, what is it with you? You know, why are you always, what, what's your deal? But do it with gentleness and respect, right? So our love is to... It, Speak the truth in love, right? Is what we talk about. That that we're not going to pull punches, but neither are we going to like be obnoxious about. It. That we share it with gentleness and respect, and let the spirit do the work of bringing someone to faith, and to see the error of their ways. I think that's the the best way we can approach that. Not to exclude them from society. Not to exclude them. Yeah, you're supposed to leave. Right. Well, and and not not giving approval to sinful behavior. No, and you can't do that. that, right? But but we can speak, you know, God's truth and and point out, hey, that this is not good. This is this is not what God's plan is for us. And of course, they're dismissive of God's plan because they don't. You know. Well, the gospel does Yeah. Yeah. But. Quietly, gently, respectfully, kindly. You know. To your point about, you know, we've got all these different theories now about where life, it all, you know, fish came out of the water and, or, you know, evolution or all these different things. There's a, there was a great joke, and some of you may have heard it before, but I just love it, that scientists have finally decided that we don't need God anymore, right? Because we figured out we can do all this stuff. We can, we can create life. We don't need God anymore, right? I mean, God was just there until we figured out how to do all this stuff. Now we've got it. We don't need them anymore. And God says, really? 
So you, you got this. And, and the scientists were like, yeah, we got it. No problem. We don't need you. And God says, well, I'll tell you what. Let's have a little competition then. We'll see who can create life best. And, and the scientists were like, cool, no problem. We're in. Scientist reaches down. He starts pulling together a bunch of dirt. And God goes, up, up, up. You get your own dirt. <laughs> get your own dirt. Yeah. That's my dirt. You get your own dirt. <laughs> Right, right. Right, come on. We cheer them on and it still doesn't work. Well, and there's the competing. Okay, so evolution, right? Everything just reordered itself until life emerged, right? Oh, that's one way to look at it. By the way, chaos theory is also out there, right? That everything tends toward chaos and towards distant organization. And so how do you recognize my house, right? Yeah. What's that? Okay. Well, we've always been monkeys anyway, right? We knew that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But, like, did that emerge by chance, or did somebody actually design that? You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. All right. So, so all of us have made it all the way because of heredity. You know, <laughs> that, I think maybe, maybe that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, take up your cross. <laughs> All right. So a lot of what we're talking about here, and we talked about this last week, is this is about kind of natural revelation of who God is. That, that at, at the very least, what Paul is saying is, you know, to your point, right? You know, there's some kind of intelligence behind it because just look around. You know, look at the orderliness of a tree and how it grows, or look at the astonishing processes that cause crops to come up and grow and produce fruit. And, you know, all of these things, you can look at it and at least go, huh, there must be something behind this. Right? Now, that th there's, a, there's a step beyond that, though, and this is kind of where Paul is going with it, is cool. At least you understood there was God, but you weren't even willing to find out any more about it. The rest of it, then, is the revelation that we have through Scripture that says, by the way, here's the rest of the story. Let me tell you about people and the fall and sinfulness and who God is and how he relates to us and what he thinks of us and how he can't abide sin and how this problem has been solved by Jesus Christ and all of that kind of stuff. And that's you know, he's he's like, you start here, but you got to get here. Like, at some point, you got to get to the foot of the cross and to understand the whole story. But they don't want to do that. They're not going to go. Yeah. Right. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw this is vaguely unrelated, but um, it was just it was striking to me. I, there was a, a piece that I watched. It was a documentary called Command and Control. Um, and if, if you, you've seen it, if you're familiar with it, you may not have known this, but Arkansas hosted a significant number of ICBMs during the Cold War. The, those ballistic missiles were all over Arkansas. And, and there was. Huh? Paul worked on them, really? Um, Steve Jones, I know, uh, was in a silo, actually, was a commander in a silo. And didn't know what had gone on with it. So what happened was... Yeah. So what happened, if you haven't heard the story, 
1976, is that right? 78, something like that. 80, I don't know when it was, but sometime in the last century, <laughs> a, a, a maintenance guy was in the missile silo and dropped a, an eight pound socket and it fell to the bottom of the silo, bounced off the floor of the silo, struck the side of the missile and actually punctured it. And And some of the fuel was actually leaking into the silo, which, you know, is, um, I think that's officially classified as a bad thing. (laughs) So, so as they're going through all this, and here's the point of what I was talking about, they're going through all this, they have no clue what would happen if that thing blew up. No clue. There's a huge nuclear weapon sitting at the top of it. And they don't know if it's liable to go off, if we'll have a nuclear, you know, if, if the entire middle of the United States will be gone. Now, it did blow up. Um, fortunately, there was not nuclear fallout. But incredibly, and I think just praise be to God, the the um, the warhead did not blow up. No. Yeah, the missile itself did. The warhead did not. Were you really? So this is in Damascus, right? Oh, where are you? Yeah, I got blown out of Right. Right. Yeah. Or even where it was. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any radiation, we'll just give it to everybody, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. So it's an interesting documentary. Oh yeah, it's an interesting documentary. It's a, it runs a little slow, but it, it's a fascinating story. But here's what struck me about it, and this is where I bring everything back to our study. That was this. When they did the first nuclear tests out in the Bikini Atoll and, and that kind of stuff, the first time they did one of those, they had no idea what How would happen. How far it would go. They, exactly right. There was fear among the scientists that it might touch off a chain reaction that would destroy the world. Yep. And yet they went ahead and did it. <laughs> ah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> right. So oh, you start one right one and just wait and see how far it goes. That, that was the fear. Yeah. So yeah, it's just and and it's to your point about mucking around and things that the creator has created that we do not understand. So all right, back to our study. Um, chapter we're we're up to question number ten. We've done everything before that on your sheet. Um, guess what? Idolatry has not disappeared in the 21st century. <laughs> so what are the idols that people worship today? Money. Money's a big one. What else? Sports is a big one. 24-hour news, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. From particular sources, right? Yes. The internet. The internet, okay. What else? What? Power, big time. Power, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Power. What else? What was it? Movie stars. Yep. For reasons that are often beyond comprehension. What else? Singers. Yeah. Sports stars. Youth. Ooh, our own youth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worship our own youth. That's why the, the all the creams, they sell really well, don't they? What else? Materialism. Big time. Yeah. Majority rules. Majority rules, okay. Whether they're wrong, whether or not that's right. All the Facebook, Facebook, yeah, all the social media, right? TikTok, Temu, I can shop like a billionaire, and give all my information to the Chinese. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably true. That's probably true. What else? Me, that's my favorite one, right? I mean, which, you know, in our in our devotion, when Luther said that, that you have the best example in yourself, it's kind of like a snarky way to say it, because what he's basically saying is you're really good at loving yourself. 
you're kind of conceited, you know, you know how to take care of yourself. But then he turns it around and turns it into something better. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> maybe this we should leave this next one as a as a uh, 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 one that you can do on your own. What are you What are you personally tempted to make into an idol? <laughs> Anybody want to share? Pastor did a pretty good job on the sermon today. Was it last week? Yeah, when he was talking about temptation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did do a good job. Weeks ago. Yeah. Social security. Oh, social security. Or That's the interesting. Older people, sure. High means without it. Yeah. You know, we don't starve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In your forties. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that we <laughs> idolize. Yeah. They don't depend on God or what you get. Yeah. So the the sense. So, and I think where you're going with this, you tell me if you're right, but, I mean, Luther basically said, you know, what is a God? A God is wherever you place all of your hope and, and trust in. And so, I think what you're saying is, that for some people, Social Security becomes the place where they put all of their hope, rather than trusting that God will provide for them. Yeah, you read the Old Testament just now, and then, and then 360 million people are on with with uh, Moses out of Egypt, men. Well, I think it was closer to about about two million. Well, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, but anyway, and then they wanted to eat. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so and then they got manna. With quail, three feet deep. Yeah, right. Here's some quail. Here's some here's some manna. Which, by the way, y'all know what manna means? It, it's actually a, a Hebrew really? word, ma'ana. No, literally, literally translated means what is it? <laughs> so, so man has what is it anyway right 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 so you're saying it's a futile endeavor, a futile endeavor, right? Well, so, but here's an interesting thing, because ultimately that mentality is driven by trust in myself. The, the, the idol in that case is me. I'm the only one who can provide for my own safety and provision. Um, and, and taken to an extreme, that's where that can land. I mean, we got to take care of ourselves. God gives us common sense for that. But. Um, all right, so so here's a question. Any any religion, <laughs> any religion is better than no religion. True or false? False. false, false so false. why do people say that? Because you've heard people say that, haven't you? Well, at least you know. Any, I mean, some kind of religion at least to put some boundaries on you. Right. Well, no, I, I think usually that's that's as a an opportunity to just sort of dismiss something and say, well, you know, I mean, they're wrong, but at least they've got some religion. Oh, now there's an interesting thing, because politically, we, we live in a culture that would say that no religion is the only thing that you should have, right? That, that all religion is bad. No, that's not true, actually. They would say that Christianity is bad and every other religion is okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably true. Oh, oh, 100% that, yeah. So any religion is better than no religion. What what would somebody mean by saying? Don't tell me what I ought to think. Okay. Religion should be, or what your version of God is. Okay. I have my own religion, or that religion. Yeah. Okay. So. This leave is it alone. this is the natural progression or conclusion of all truth is relative. You have your truth, and I have my truth. And at radical least if we have Islam, some truth, it's all radical good. Radical Islam is okay. Sure. It's, it's a. That's just what they that believe. Type of, the type of religion. So leave yeah. it alone. 
So, so everybody says it's false. <laughs> Why? Why is it false? I mean, say, okay, here's an example. Um, Mormonism. What's wrong with that? They're really nice people. No. Uh, they are very nice. I, I had some friends who were Mormon. They were extremely nice. Very willing to help, kind of, you know, what we were talking about here. So is that is that okay then? That's a good religion? The theology All right. is idolatry. All right, and what's and and the theology is idolatry, and what's the outcome? Well, false gods. False right. gods, and ultimately it's death, right? Uh, yeah, eternal death. Right. If we're going to take it. I mean, that's that I think is the strongest argument against the at least you know any religion is better than no religion. Well, no, because any religion but the true religion is going to lead you right to death and hell. What's good about that? And I think the difference is this: what's your what's your time horizon? What's your perspective in what you're looking at? Because if all you're thinking about is life. You know, the, the span, you know, the hundred odd years or so that you might live? Well, yeah, then a little religion is probably good if it, if it convinces you, you, you know, be nice to people and mm -hmm. don't do dumb stuff and try not to kill folks. And, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of, well, that's pretty good. But if it doesn't point you to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only means by which we are to be saved, well, it's great for the hundred or so years you're here. But after that, it's hell, literally. Right. Yeah. 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 This is what's been done for you. Myron, was that you? Who? Oh. Yeah. There's a fellow that makes me take part of for him. Yeah. Pray that there will be something that happens that kind of yeah. opens his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. All right. Um, one word that Paul uses for what happened in the fall is exchanged. So in verse 23, what is exchanged for what? All right. Yeah. 23, the glory of God for idols. What about in verse 25? Truth for a lie, right? Truth for a lie. And what about verse 26? Um, yeah, exchange natural relations for those contrary to nature, right? Natural relations contrary. Um, what verb then describes God's response in verses 24 to 28? How does he respond to that? And I'll, I'll just read it and you can think about it. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God. For, how far am I going? 28. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who's to be blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nation, nat nature. The men likewise giving up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So what's what's God's response to all of this stuff? Give them up. Wow. Whoa. Seriously, whoa. Think about that for a second. This has happened before. What? Who didn't we start with nothing has changed, right? As it as it is, as always how it has been. God actually lets him go. It's fine. You're going to reject me. Go on the ark. 
see where it goes. See where it takes you. But it's interesting that you use He gave them up. He released them, basically, yeah. and said, so okay. So his gift was free will. <laughs> well, let's talk about free will a little bit. Because free will is a, a tricky subject. I mean, where do we have free will? What does our free will look like? Like, if you have free will, what is your free will? Okay. You can do what you want when you want. What, yeah, what sort of choices? Terry, what were you going to say? Any religion you want, pick them. Yeah. So, yeah, here's the trick. Our free will, such as it is, is limited. You can, you can choose who you marry. You can decide what you eat for breakfast. You can pick the route you drive to work in the morning. With all these earthly things, you have free will. You can make your own decisions about whatever you want to do with that. When it comes to spiritual things, you don't have free will. One of two things happens. You're either a slave to Satan, and, and that's where you, quote, choose any one of these false religions that leads you ultimately to death, or God has grabbed a hold of you, drug you up out of your delusions, and has enlightened you with the gospel and called you to himself and made you a part of the church and a follower of Jesus Christ where you have life. Note who did that was not you. It was God. Well, how did you get to be in that other group that he's pulling you? So, means of grace is ultimately what it comes down to. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of God. So he, the Holy Spirit works through the means of grace, especially the word of God, but also through baptism and through uh, Holy Communion and through the preaching of God's word and the gospel. And as people hear that, the Spirit moves in their hearts to convince them that it's true and to enlighten them as to what it means. And then they are brought into the faith, right? So notice that the, the, the subject of all those verbs is God, not you, right? Um, Luther wrote a lot of stuff about this, and, and it's one of those things that we struggle with because generic American Christianity would have you believe that we all have complete free will about everything. And which is the whole reason that there's this believer's prayer that you're supposed to pray when you have decided to follow Jesus. The scripture is pretty clear. You, you can't make that decision. By the time you're able to pray that prayer, God, pray that, pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. God's already done his work. He's already done what he needed to to bring you to faith. Um, and, and so our free will is limited to those things that are earthly in nature, and temporal and, and time bound to. Um, the things that are actually under our control. Our faith and our spiritual life is not under our control. Um, you know, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, the beginning of the feast. Well, dead people can't do anything to save themselves. Nothing. They're dead. The only way that they get brought back to life is that somebody steps in, drags them up, gives them mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, pounds on their heart, puts an AED on them or whatever, and brings them back to life. Somebody else does it. And for us, to your point, the somebody else is that God does it for us. The Holy Spirit, ultimately, calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. That's how Luther puts it. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? I mean, if you think deeply about that, you're sitting here in this church trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation because God grabbed a hold of you and convinced you that that's where you needed to be. Wow. Yes. Okay. So the coffee cup receives the coffee. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cause the coffee to be made. Right. It doesn't pour the coffee. It simply receives. It's somebody, including yourself, to come along and put a lid on it. While the coffee is still under the being poured under the spigot, so the coffee, coffee is still being poured, but right. the cup is not receiving it because right. something is 
Yeah. Is not letting it go through. Right. The only thing I can do is put a lid. The coffin is the grace of go. God. Yeah. The cup is me. Yeah. I can't make the coffee the grace. I can't pour the coffee the grace. I simply receive it. Yeah. However, I could put a lid over the coffee. The grace is still being poured. It's still all around me. Right. But whose fault is it that I'm not receiving? Mine. Yeah, yeah. Who gets the credit if I do receive God? True. That's excellent. That's really the Holy Spirit can remove that. Yeah. I can put it back on. Yep. I can I cannot choose God, but I can choose to reject it. Yeah. You can't say yes, you can say no. Yeah. <laughs> And even though he's abandoned them here, those people were abandoned. Him it's first. they started. Yeah, you started it. You started it. Right. <laughs> but they're still without excuse. Right, right. Because what can be known about God from nature is clear to them. And yeah. they, I like the way this puts it, they don't think it's worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Yeah, yeah. I know there's a God by my natural knowledge, but it's not worthwhile to consider that. Yeah. So blow it off. <laughs> Let's see where that gets you. There and you he says, and he hardens your heart. After you've hardened it enough time. Yeah. He may and that's, you know, stuff. we talked about Exodus last time, about that progression with Pharaoh, that it's Pharaoh hardening it for a while, and then all of a sudden, God turns around and goes, fine, if that's the route you're going to take, I'm going to help you with it. Hopefully, so that you'll see the error of your way, and you'll turn, turn and, and repent. Doesn't that make sense where the devil puts a little poison in a little dope? You know, it, it, yeah, it, it, well, suppose Jesus said a, a little yeast leavens the whole loaf. Yeah. That's you've heard my story about the brownie, right? I stole it, but right? <laughs> have you all heard it yeah. about brownies? Oh man, I make these brownies, they're awesome. Yes. These are the best brownies ever. These are incredible. Use nothing but the best ingredients Ghirardelli chocolate from San Francisco. I mean, just amazing. I use farm fresh. <laughs> I got this farmer who gives me the the cream from his cow directly. I mean, it's the organic, fresh, just amazing stuff. Now, I have a special ingredient that I put in it um, that makes them, you know, really particularly special. It's not much. It's just a little, just a tiny, just a little speck of poop. You want a brownie? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Suddenly, no. And that's the thing. It doesn't take much. A little bit ruins the whole deal. Ruins a whole deal. Now, that illustration usually is used with doctrine, right? right? That the teaching of the church, a little bit of bad doctrine, screws up everything. It's why Luther was so intentional about getting this stuff down. Hey, we wrote it in a book. Like, we don't want people to make any mistakes about this stuff because it's that important. But it applies to sin, too. A little bit of sin leavens the whole loaf. All right. Some argue that the word exchanged applies only to consciously chosen homosexual acts, not to one's innate orientation. How do you react to that? We were created that way. That would be the argument, right? I, I'm this way because God made me this way. Yeah, and there's the problem, right? We're all sinful. So created to be homosexual, created with sin within us that manifests in different ways? I mean, how, how do you understand that? Go ahead. I've come to a conclusion in my arguing <laughs> with those who would argue with me. Yeah. The argument of I was made that way or I became that way because of my husband. Right. It really doesn't matter. Right. It's still a sin. So, I was given, I inherited sin. Doesn't make the sin all right. So, let's say I'm, 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 I'm I like to gossip. And whether I was an inherited gossiper or a environmentally learned gossiper, the end result is still the same. It's right. still gossip. Right. It's still a sin. And the argument I have come 
to in my mind, I can know my sin and ask God to forgive me, regardless of the sin from homosexual to gossip. If I know my sin and repent, I'm forgiven. But the attitude that's coming down in our society is, don't call this a sin. This is the way I am. Don't call it a sin. Well, I'm a gossiper. This is the way I am. It's still a sin. It's still damnable. And it still needs to be forgiven. So the attitude seems to be, don't call this a sin. I mean, I don't want to hear that I'm a gossip. But it still is. I'm a gossip. I need to know that. And I need to repent of that. And until I do, I'm under the punishment for that. God illustrated that really very well. He wrote our name in the book of life before the world began. True. Now. Yeah. And and yet. What did we do? <laughs> and yet we all are sinful, right? So, the, so kind of to your point, do you pursue your sinfulness or do you repent and turn away from it? Regardless of the source and the cause, who cares? Being tempted is not a sin. <laughs> giving in, yeah. It's when you it's give when you in. Give it. It. Right. Well, although, well, although you know, Jesus kind of pushes the buttons on that one when he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, if you've uh, if you look lustfully on a woman, then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart." Yeah. So, wow, even the stuff that happens up here. Yeah. Right. I did. Right. I Still sin, Myron. Well, this is one. So, yeah, so here's the thought. Like, we all agree that we're all sinful, right? That we all have a sinful nature. Does that, does my sinful nature then preclude me from ever possibly entering the kingdom of God? No, because Christ took my sins upon himself and died on the cross that I might be forgiven. So the distinction, I think, and I think that where Paul is going with the verse that you quoted, is those who are willfully pursuing their sinful orientation. Impenitence. Impenitence, thank you. That, that they basically would have us say that it's not a sin when God has been really clear in his word that it is. And it's contrary to the way he's created us. It's contrary to the way everything is done. So merely having a, a, a sexual orientation, which is a weird phrase that our culture has come up with, but to merely have that orientation is not what excludes you from the kingdom of God. To pursue that impenitently is. But guess what? That applies to murder. <laughs> that applies to, you know, to adultery. That applies to um, gossiping. That applies, you know, that applies to every sin. Well, first Corinthians Pursue that pursue. as opposed to those who You're repent and turn away from it. Right. Just right. as bad. And you know, Paul's words were terrific. What should we say then? Because you know, he writes Romans five and six, right? He does this whole thing about how God's grace is amazing, that in all of these things we are sinful and God forgives our sins, that Christ died for us, He takes all of this away from us. It's incredible. Well, hey, I've got an idea. Maybe we ought to sin a lot. So that people can see just how amazing God's grace is. What do you think? And that's what he says. It's Romans 6 1, I think it is. Shall we remain in sin so that God's grace may abound? No! He says, no. 
You died to sin. Like when God called you to faith, then the whole deal was you were like, ooh, sin. I don't want to be there. And yet we find ourselves there. And that's when we come to confession. We come for absolution. We hear that word. We turn away from it. Repent is just another word for turning away. Okay. But those who pursue it, you know, from that passage you guys quoted, that's a whole different deal. Like, that, you're going to run headlong at it, or are you going to be worried about it? Please, on our strength. There you go. Yeah, that gets back to the free will thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's called gathered and enlightened, sanctifies the whole earth. That's the work of the Spirit, ever present. Um, Chad Bird once wrote, talking about, I think it was the, the, the form of confession absolution that's in Divine Service Setting 3 that says, um, I am sincerely sorry for my sins and, and sincerely mm -hmm. repent of them or whatever. Um, he made the point, and, and this is, I don't know why I never thought of this before, but even the feeling sorry, the contrition for our sin and the repentance is itself a gift of God. That you wouldn't feel sorry for your sin if it weren't for the working of the Holy Spirit. So, so as we pray that prayer of confession, even that we're acknowledging God's activity and the Holy Spirit's activity in our repentance and in, in our receiving of, of forgiveness. Yes, Terry. No, it's it's kind of all wrapped up with it. It's I, I wouldn't say there's a sequence. I would say it all is made together simultaneously, right? And and you know, and some of that comes from if you look at John the Baptist and his preaching, you know, repent and be baptized and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's like, oh, so it must be this sequence: repent and then be baptized. But if you take apart the Greek grammatically, those are things that happen simultaneously. It's not it's not prescribing a sequence of events. It's it's all bound up together. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. And and that's John 20. Jesus says, hey, listen, you guys go out there. Um, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. And we withhold forgiveness from those who are not repentant and of their sins. Okay. All right. You can see how the devil works. There's a point homosexuality not accepted. And then it got to be accepted. And now here in the last few years, I'm seeing it talking about the word celibate. Right. Right. Celibate. Yeah, right. Yeah. I read that in a book somewhere. Yeah. They encourage it. Yeah. Celibate. Yes, Myra. My inspiration. But uh, when I was going to school, I see my seven books more than Yeah, absolutely. He's found one of these. Maybe it's because they're looking for it and then coming to young people. Well, the women's school is picking up. It still happens in some places. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, where I served last in Jackson, Missouri. The public high school actually had a baccalaureate, and the the ministry alliance in town always hosted. Yeah, which is kind of neat. What were you gonna say, Terry? And I'm 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's we're gonna quick see if we can get through the last one. Um what are the words that Paul uses to describe what life without God is like? Starting in verse 20. You don't have to have the count of words and phrases, that don't worry about that. Every kind of wicked. Yeah, every kind of wicked. There you go. Um, all manner of unrighteousness, and then he goes off and lists all the different things. What is God's verdict on those who practice such things? Verse 32. Yeah, yeah. Those who practice such things deserve to die. Wow. Wow. Yeah, not our job. Right. Above your pay grade. Yeah. Um, whew, yeah, let's make that really, really clear. Not our doing. So they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Give an example. Well, I think we've done this already. Give an example of how you see this happening today. It's it's all over. It's all over. How did you feel as you read Romans chapter one? Well, it's like getting taken to the woodshed in a way, isn't it? I mean, I mean, this is a chapter one is a word of law and serious. He's not pulling any punches. I mean, he's he's being very direct in what he's saying. Now he's gonna he's gonna turn around and turn it into something beautiful, but he's got to prime the pump, so to speak. He's got to kind of set the stage for what's going on here. Okay, um, and I, I we we'll leave the last question there for you to just ponder. Were you thinking about yourself or about others? Um, we I will comment that we are all of us remarkably good when law comes our way at ducking and making sure it hits the guy behind us. Um, so, you know, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, are you? Okay. And I'm not sure I'll get out Um, and thank you for saying that. Just so y'all know that we had 85 at the dinner. 91 was the final number? Wow. Far and away the biggest Lenten supper we've ever had. Um, so so if, you, if you're able to and you haven't, um, please get with Brittany to sign up to bring something. We got a pretty good list. How's it looking? Okay. Soups and sides. Okay. And we had about And they all went, didn't they? Yeah, they were. Okay. So I, sandwiches They were, that's true. Yeah. Really? There are, um, by the way, there are some sandwiches left over that are in the fridge. Yeah. So if you're able, if you haven't already signed up and, and you're willing to bring something for Wednesday night, please get with Brittany to let her know. Good. Thank you for handling that. Yeah, between 5 and 5.15. Thank you for saying that. Anything else? Quick prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We we thank you that in the face of and the, the understanding of our own sinfulness that we also have this knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, that we know that uh, he came, he lived, died, rose again, and ascended that we might be saved. Um, we look to him and we trust in him for all good. We, uh, we know that our salvation is in him and him alone. Um, and we pray that others would come to that understanding uh, through our words, through our actions, through our um, gentleness and respect in explaining this hope that we have. Go with us today as we go forth from here. Guide and lead us in all that we do, that it might bring pleasure to you and glorify your name. 
We ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. I pray that you learned a bit, that you met Jesus, and that your faith was built up through the discussion that you just heard. If you want to learn more about Holy Trinity, you can visit our website. It's www.holytrend.org. The website for the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is www.lcms.org. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great week.